Well, grace and peace. God bless you. This is Apostle Dr. Delisa Rogers, and I am here for our third week installment in our series, February Finance Series, and we're talking about empowerment for wealth. So this week, our topic is coming out of the book of Exodus. I'm going to begin reading at the third verse, verses um, Exodus 3, verse 8, and the topic is going to be preparing for milk and honey preparing for milk and honey. So let's get into the word of God and let's see what the spirit of God is saying to the church. Amen. All right, Exodus chapter three, verse eight. And the Bible reads, and I am come down. Matter of fact, let me go, let me back up to verse seven just to give you some context. And the Lord said, he's talking to Moses. Moses is having his burning bush experience. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land, up out of that land, into a good land and large unto a land flowing with milk, with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, okay? And so I just read to you um, uh, the exchange between God and Moses at the burning bush coming out of Exodus chapter three, verses seven through eight. And I'm going to also read verse nine so that I can cinch that real good for you. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Father, we bless you. Thank you for this appointed time to feast at your feet and dine at your table. Feed us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, we're coming out of, we're talking, we're in our February series, and we're talking about empowerment for wealth. Our, this week's topic is preparing for the milk and honey. So let's talk about what's happening here at the burning bush. The Lord approaches Moses. I could preach that. I could, I could preach that myself because many times we don't wait for God to approach us with things. We go to God, right? Um, but when God approaches a person or when God approaches a situation, God has already factored everything in. Remember, Moses talks about, well, I stutter and, you know, he brings up all of these excuses. And of course, God was not hearing that because God had already made the way. So God is approaching Moses because God has seen the affliction of his people, of Israel in Egypt. Now, for the sake of context, we're going to use Egypt to reference a system of poverty a system of oppression, a system of inequality, and you can take it and, and go from there with it, all right? So when, when I'm talk for the sake of this particular message for this topic, and when I mention Egypt, Egyptian systems and the systems that God is, is um, coming down to confront. And now God is not coming down in his form because no man can see God and live, but he's coming in the form of Moses. So there has to be that someone that God is using to deliver his people. So there has to be that set one, that chosen one that has been called out. And in this particular instance, it was Moses because Moses was 
had been predestined for this work from his mother's womb. He was predestined to be the deliverer for Israel. And so God sees the affliction. Uh, he hears the oppression of his people. And he also uh, is very mindful of the systems, the oppressive systems um, of Egypt. Whereas this is forced labor, they're having to make straws. Uh, at one point had to make bricks and find their own straws. Um, just a system of oppression, a system of uh, a servitude. You, you can never prosper. Hear me, people of God. You can never prosper under a system of oppression. You'll survive and you will manage, but you will never prosper. And so when we talk, when, when God gave me the series, and he's been for the whole year, I believe he's going to be dealing with me in series. And I, hey, I don't have an issue with that. I'm going with God, right? Um, because I think sometimes we need to take our time to dive into certain topics. And my daughter has been telling me about this. Mom, you need to do a series on this. You need to do a series. So I thank God for that. And I thank God for the set time. And so this was Israel's set time. Just like I, I believe it is your set time. Many of you who are listening under the sound of my voice, I believe it is your set time. And so this is why we have been pounding this word into you. We started out with faith and now we're dealing with finances. Check this out. Come back in March. We're going to be dealing with family. Oh, what fun, right? <laughs> We're going to be dealing with family matters. So you guys don't want to miss this. So just God is just doing some great things at Love Church. Praise God. But God sees that this is a set time now uh, for him to deliver his people, but to also confront the system that has held his people hostage. Because remember, God made a promise to Abraham. And so this goes back to my first message, Unearth and Generational Wealth, whereas there may have been prophetic promises made to your generation. And so God is saying now is the set time for those promises to awaken, for them to materialize, for them to um, manifest. And so when that happens, when it's your set time, you will see God move. I often tell my church, I tell my sons and daughters, watch for movement, not you moving because folks just don't praise God. <laughs> watch for God to move first and then you follow. You don't get ahead of God. Amen. Praise God. Just, just wait on the Lord. Just wait on the Lord. So God is using um, Moses to, uh, he's bringing this to Moses' um, awareness. He said, Moses, this is what I want your assignment to be. And let me just put a, a, an apostolic nugget here that when God calls you, okay, um, he's going to make it emphatically clear uh, of what your assignment is. You know what I'm saying? He's going to tell you to whom you are sent and to what your assignment is. There's no gray lines and you don't have to figure it out when you get there. God already has a place if you're sent. And I'm just speaking apostolically here. Um, we're in a series, but we're still hearing God. I'm still a prophet too, praise God. And so you have to be very careful about, um, you know, wanting to go ahead of God because you'll go into a place where you have not been graced and you have no covering. And then, praise God, you at the enemy's mercy. And so as we move into, because I'm also going to pick this up in um, in Numbers chapter 13. You can go ahead and put your thumb there. Uh, we're going to pick this up in Numbers chapter 13, where Joshua sent. See, this Empowerment for Wealth series, you needed an apostle to bring this to you. I'm not saying none of the other five folks could bring it. But there's a certain revelation that has to come with this, a pioneering revelation that has to come with this. number, And it has to come up in authority that can confront these systems. So Moses had this apostolic um, grace anointing to confront us. No one had ever done that before, right? No one had ever done that. And so he was sent in to confront these systems. 
you know? So, you know, I marvel at, you know, some of what I see out here in the land today, but and I see people attacking churches and I see people attacking, you know, people, but I don't see folk confronting systems. And that's what apostles do. We, have, we confront systems, praise God, and mindsets, and we pull those things down, praise the Lord. So when we find God approaching Moses, Moses, hear me when I say this, had already gone through the process of preparation. Remember I said our topic is preparing for the land of milk and honey. Now, I can't take you into a place that I have not been prepared to go in myself. And so it took Moses those 40 years in the wilderness for God to prepare him. And so let us be mindful of that. Many times we're wanting God to do things in our life and I'm gonna hit this real hard. I'm gonna hit it hard. We're, we're wanting God to release us to certain areas and send us to certain areas that we have not been prepared for. And we end up making a unglorified, unsanctified mess and needing to be delivered, such as was the case with Lot. Lot wanted the, the um, greener pastures. Lot saw that he could prosper. Lot was tired of being under Abraham's leadership. And so Lot said, let me go and stretch out. And Lot, listen, it, Abraham released Lot because that was what Lot, because you can't hold, that's what you, you can't hold for. When people want to go, you let them go, praise God. But Lot, God did not release Lot. Lot released himself. And so in releasing himself, he was not graced for what was taking place in Sodom and Gomorrah. It took him over, it took his family over. I think I covered that in another teaching. I've done several so far. Uh, it took him over and he had to be delivered. And then later on, we find out he had to be delivered again. And at that point, the, the stench and the sin of, of, of that region or of those people, hello, somebody, that he had connected to had, in, had contaminated not just him, but his entire family. Come on, somebody. His entire generation was contaminated by the people that he went to. He was not sent there. And his daughters ended up raping him. That's another topic. Perhaps we'll cover that in Family Matters come next month. What do you think about it? So anyway, so God, but Moses had to endure seasons of preparation so that when he confronts this Egyptian system of oppression, hardship, and poverty, and we've been talking about this for the last two weeks, amen, he, the things in him were already dealt with, okay? Um, and I'm, I'm going to come back to that a little bit later. So the Lord is very specific here. Again, God deals in specifics. He says, I'm come down for this purpose, okay? I'm come down for this purpose. I've heard my children cry. Many of you, God have God has heard your cries. Lord, when can I get delivered from this? God, when can I break this off of my life? I saw a prayer from um, a renowned prophet and it was a very good prayer. But then as I was reading it, the Lord said, it's gonna take more than a prayer, right? Even Jesus said, these kind goeth not out but by fasting and prayer. In other words, many times we're praying prayers but we won't do the work. And so we're frustrated because the prayer is not, well, I prayed the prayer. I prayed it with the apostle. I prayed with the prophet. I was on the prayer line and you're frustrated because the prayer is not working. It's not that the prayer is not working. It's just that you're going to have to put your faith with your works. Again, this is why we built this year with the foundation of faith. There is work that you are required to do. You can't just pray over stuff. <laughs> okay. You pray to get the mind of Christ. Then you use the mind of Christ to go get the job done. So God comes down and he confronts Moses and he tells him, this is what, I, this is my concern. This is why I'm here. I'm here because it is time now to confront this system, this Egyptian system of oppression. 
And so he makes Moses aware, fully aware of what this assignment entails. And he tells them, listen, my, the targeted goal here, you're not just going to confront Egypt and, and confront the systems of, of Egypt, but the targeted goal is I need to break my people out and bless them. I need to deliver them. <laughs> and so he tells Moses, he said, this is how I'm going to deliver my people. And he makes it emphatically clear that I've got a land. He said, listen, a good land and large. I love this because when I was studying it, I was like, wow, God. In other words, you know, there's no need to adopt the crab mentality where I have and it's mine. And if I see you climbing ahead of me, I'm coming to grab you. What God is doing, if it's a God thing, praise God. If it's a God thing, there's enough room for everybody. Now, somebody's thing may take off quicker than yours, but that doesn't mean that God has forgotten you. You just wait in line. You do what God has required you to do and wait on the Lord. He said it is a good land and large. In other words, God said, I've already scouted out this land and it has the capacity to hold my people. So what God wants to do in, in us is, it, it is there's a good place that God has taken us to, but it is large enough for expansion. God is not just delivering you out of poverty and delivering you out of hardship, but God is also making room, okay? He's making room for you to grow even in that new thing that he is doing. So you're not just going to get into the land of milk and honey and just enjoy the lights. No, there's even expansion and work and production and blessings and uh, uh, expansions even in that. So he said, it's a good land. It is large. And then he tells him this land is flowing with milk and honey. And I just, y'all, listen, I enjoyed myself so much studying this word. Because when he says, I'm preparing you, the topic preparing you for a land of milk and honey, I want you to understand what that looks like. And sometimes we don't understand it. Sometimes we're asking God for a financial breakthrough. And then we complain when the job calls and say, hey, I've got an extra shift. Or we complain when a client says, I've got two more books that, I'm, <laughs> that I want you to look at. Or, you know what I'm saying? We, we, we ask God for increase. And then when the opportunity for increase comes, we complain. Well, I'm tired. My back hurt. Well, now, wait a minute. Either you want this new place and this new thing that God is doing in you or, or you don't. And so we've got to abandon the thought that some bucket of money is going to tip over out of the sky because I know we read the scripture. I see if I will not open up the windows of heaven. And so people are literally, literally looking for portals in the sky to open up and give you money when you ought to be looking for opportunities here on earth. You need to be looking when Jesus had a bill paid, he sent Peter to the edge of the water and said, go get the money out of the fish. If Peter had never walked to the water, reached into the water, grabbed the fish, opened the fish mouth, retrieved the coin, he would not have sufficient funds to pay his bill. So there is, and I've been saying this and I will continue to say this, there is industry that is required of us in order to destroy spirits of poverty. Now, Israel had spirits of industry. However, they were bound under, this, under the system of oppression that would not let them prosper but so much. And so that's why God said, I'm taking you into a good land and a large land where your ability to prosper is contingent upon your ability to put the work in. Why do you say that, woman of God? You ask good questions. The reason why I said that is because God makes it clear. He said, this is a land flowing with milk and honey. I love it. 
What does that mean? Because we say that, oh, God's going to bless you with a land flowing with milk and honey, milk and honey, milk and honey. Do you understand what milk and honey means? Well, you're going to learn today. Praise the Lord. Let's talk about the milk. When you think about milk, milk does not appear on the earth in and of itself. Milk comes from an animal. Okay. And even some fruits produce milk, vegetables produce milk. In this particular instance, when God says a land flowing <coughs> with milk, there are in at least 11 milk producing animals. There are at least, you got sheep, you've got goat, we know we got cows and so many other animals that, now you may say, I ain't drinking milk from them. I didn't say it was all milk fit for human consumption. <laughs> I didn't say that. What I'm saying is, and listen to what the Lord is revealing in the scripture. And I'm in Exodus chapter three, verse eight. He says, I'm sending you and I'm providing you a land flowing with milk. I'm going to get to the honey in just a minute because that's going to that's gonna mess you up again. But in this land of milk, you have at least 11 animals. What does that mean? If this land is large, a good land and large enough to hold 11 animals, you know, and I don't listen, I grew up on a farm for a good portion of my, you know, young life. Trust me, I know what that looks like. When you have animals, you need space. When you have kids, you need space. I'm not saying they're the same. I'm just saying whenever you're raising something, you need room. But in terms of animals, you think about what is needed to care for animals. You need water to care for animals. You need vegetation. You need grass. You need grain. You need wheat to care for animals. You need enough plains, room for them to, to graze, right? So when God says, because he's speaking symbolically and he's speaking prophetically, what God is saying is that I'm going to send you, I'm going to deliver you from the systematic oppressive system of Egypt where you've been working, but you haven't been prospering. You've only been making just enough to bring home and sustain your family, but you don't have enough to save. You don't have enough to invest. You don't have enough to build. But God says, I'm bringing you out. I've come down to deliver you. And I'm speaking that prophetically to many of you today, if you can handle what that brings, okay? I'm speaking that to you, that God says, I'm coming down to deliver you from that. But understand now, you're not just gonna, you know, before you start running around your kitchen table, <laughs> I want you to understand. And I, I think this is sometimes an issue that I have Sometimes the prophetic words is, well, I praise God. I'm, I'm going to really try not to get into that, but there is the counsel of the word that needs to go with the prophetic word as well, but we don't do it that way. And I don't know why we don't. We just hear, get ready, God said, and then we run around and throwing seed. And then we walk out to church and you're like, okay, now what? You didn't get counsel all throughout scripture. And I don't know why, <laughs> I don't mean to fuss because you know I can. But I don't know why people don't read the word. I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> Whenever a prophet gave a word, the counsel of the Lord came along with that. People sat and listened and prophets taught. Today, we don't have that. I don't, I don't know. We just get a word and run with it and make a mistake. And now we're mad at the prophet and mad at the church and mad at everybody. And but be mad at yourself because you only receive half of what God intended for you. If that was something God had for you, you need to counsel the Lord. And it counsel, the safety in the multitude of counsel. That word needs to be judged. It needs to be tested. Okay? You just don't run off what somebody told you. You don't even run off what God told you. If you know that your spirit is not right, you can't, praise God. <laughs> you can't hear God to do right, but you can hear God. You know what I'm saying? We, got, we, we have that selective hearing. 
God ain't never told you to forgive, but he told you to go to the next level. God has never told you to check your attitude, but he's telling you to, come on now, stop lying. We got to stop lying on the Lord. Now, I love you. You know I do, and I'm going to say this because I, I want you to hear my heart. But stop this foolishness. Stop lying on the Lord. When First of all, when God is going to deal with you, he's going to deal with you about you first. Then we'll move on to that other stuff. Before God came to Moses, Moses had already spent 40 years dealing with himself, killing the murderer in him. I ministered that years ago. All of what God had to do through Moses, Moses needed to go through purging. He needed to go through deliverance. He needed to go through uh, self-examination. He didn't just show up and say, hey, it's time for me to confront Egypt, uh, uh, Pharaoh. Doesn't work like that. Okay, so that's it. I'm going to leave that one alone. But anyway, so you've got at least 11 milk producing animals. So think about that. 11 species, species, if I can get that word right, of animals that produce milk. So what is God saying? This land that I'm going to send you into has herbs. It has flocks. So get ready. Roll your sleeve up. You've been working for Egypt and you've been working for Pharaoh and you've been barely making it. You've been barely getting by. But now God says, I'm about to open you and, and, and introduce you into another realm of prosperity to where you're going to continue to work. Now, don't get it twisted. You want to continue to work. Amen. But you want to see the fruit of your labor. And this is what God said. It's time now <coughs> that you see fruit from your labor. So speaking in terms of fruit, let's move on to the honey. So he says, you, you, I'm taking you into a land flowing with milk, flowing with milk. Okay. That means you don't just have what comes from animals that produce milk. You also get the meat from that animal. You get the coverings from that animal. You get the leather, people that like leather, like me, you get, you know what I'm saying? You get the wool. So I want you to expand and not just say, oh, milk and honey, milk and honey. But I want you to really look at what comes along. What does that really mean? And so he, sa he says money, excuse money. He says honey. And so when you think of honey, you think in terms of flowering plants, that which produces nectar, okay, that draws bees that produce honey. And so you've got flowering plants, you've got plants, uh, uh, um, fruits and vegetables that produce this nectar. So what is he talking about here? Not only are you going to have meat to eat, you, you, you're going to have plenty of food. You know what I'm saying? God's going to make provisions for you in this place, but you, you're just not going to get there because they're still in Egypt. And I'm going to try to move on before I take too much time uh, into um, Leviticus chapter, what did I say? Um, excuse me. I don't know why I said Leviticus. I've been thinking about Leviticus, but Numbers chapter 13 um, go ahead and, and, and get there. Numbers 13, 23. So, but let me finish uh, this thought. So God gives Moses the assignment. He says, I'm, I'm going to deliver my people. I'm taking them into this land and the suffering that they're going through right now for this present time, like the scripture says, you know, the glory that's coming after the suffering cannot be compared, right? There, there's no comparison. The suffering that you're going through right now, there's no comparison when God begins <clears throat> to reveal his glory, but you're going to have to do it God's way. Okay. So you've got this large land. It's a good place. It's filled with animals, all types of animals, at least 11, 11 kinds, right? They're producing milk. So it's not as if you're just putting the work into something and you're not getting anything back. 
No, there's an exchange, right? Remember the Lord said, why didn't you put the money to the exchangers? That's how the whole kingdom system works. You put something in, you get something out. You don't put anything in, you don't get anything out. What does Luke say? You are, He said, with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured back to you again. You see what I'm saying? So another scripture says, you sow little, you reap little, right? So, you know, it, it works hey, according to your faith. Right. According to the power that worketh in you, whatever power you're working with, that's what you bring back in. You praise God. You hide one talent. Then you get that talent taken away from you. You work in your two talents. You get two more talents. You work in your five. You get double. You don't work none. You get none. It's just God is working with you. God works with seed, whatever you give him. I heard Dr. Miles Monroe, the late Dr. Miles Monroe, say this years ago in one of his teachings, and he was talking to the brothers. And he said, brothers, he said, um, he said, one thing about a woman, a woman is an incubator. And he said, you know, you give her seed, she gives you a child. You give her a house, you give her a home. He said, you give her love, she give you love, whatever. He said, if you give her a hard time, she give you hell. <laughs> I'm just saying, that ain't Bible, but I, you know, praise God, you know, praise the Lord. In other words, you know, you what you sow is what you reap. And I'm going to move past that. Let me finish this thought. So you got a good land. It's a it's a large land You got because you're going to need room. You're going to have to break out, stretch out, right? And you've got this uh, uh, milk. You've got honey. So you've got vegetation. You've got water. You've got hills, valleys, plains. You've got uh, uh, lush vegetation. I'm going to cover that in, in just a minute. And then he says, listen to me very, very carefully. And this is why you have to prepare for the land of milk and honey. You can't just go in. Well, I'm coming to take, possess the land. Honey, praise God. <laughs> you ain't ready to possess the land yet. You still question whether Jesus loves you and, and who you are in God. You understand what I'm saying? So before Israel was in position to possess that, and we all know the story, after Moses went to Pharaoh 10 times, then there was the 40-year period of training and testing and dying. And then they crossed over and went to Canaan. Check this out. Even in crossing over, there were enemies there. God names the enemies. I think we talked about that. Was it last week? Or I talked to somebody about that. Is you got to know, I think we were talking about um, unearthing generational um, Well, we were talking about Isaac, right? Remember Isaac and, and um, Sitna, you know, those wells, whenever he went to unearth the well, undig the well, the enemies came and contended, right? They came to, came to the Philistines, came to fight with him. And so understand this, because this is where a lot of people get it twisted. And this is where a lot of people forfeit what God has for them because they're too lazy to fight. Either they're too lazy to fight or they're too ignorant to fight. Or let me just say, I'm going to give you three keys. Too lazy to fight, too ignorant to fight, or unqualified or disqualified based upon lifestyle. In other words, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not hear me. God is not going to fight with you. He's not sending angels on none of that. <laughs> Don't even ask God. You see what I'm saying? Don't ask or send me and God like, no, we're not going to do that. Why? Because angels are, are encamped around those that fear the Lord, that walk in obedience. So don't ask God, Lord, send me angels, Lord, send me some help. And you're walking in disobedience. You can't use that scripture. You can't pray that in prayer. Okay. Um, so you want to have to get some things together if you want to call on that kind of help. Otherwise, just wait it out and, 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 and exercise the fruit of the patience and some long suffering. Okay. And some temperance, all of that. You have to wait. And, and, and until God delivers you. 
or until you get yourself together and then you can ask for that kind of help. But God lists Israel's enemies. It's important that you know who your Canaanites are, who your Hittites, your Amorites, your Perizzites, your Hivites, your Jebusites. You need to know. And those are six demons or six um, strongholds that are, listen, already in your wealthy place. All right. They're already in. Now, Israel fought some ites while they were in the wilderness going through. That's another topic. But the ites, listen to me, the ites that Israel fought in um, the wilderness were in preparation <coughs> for the ites they had to fight in Canaan. In other words, listen to me carefully. God may be saying to you, daughter, get that jealousy out your heart. Son, Stop coveting. Daughter, stop gossiping. Those are the ites in the wilderness. Because God has this promised land for you. God has this wealthy place for you. And your wealthy place may not even be financial. You may be okay. Some people are like, oh, I'm good. Your wealthy place may be in relationships. Your wealthy place may be in career or business or health or what have you. So, you know what I'm saying? But before you get to that wealthy place, God is sitting telling you to deal with your ites. Whatever your eyes are. So you learn how to build spiritual muscle and you learn how to build, you learn how to be, uh, uh, discipline yourself. You learn which weapons to use, praise God, in your wilderness. This is where you get rid of the nonsense. Stop. What, what, what did God deal with Israel in the wilderness? Complaining and murmuring. You can't even get to Canaan. Until you deal with your attitude, that's what it, that, it all. That was the bottom line. The Lord said, "Y'all's attitudes think you ungrateful. I brought you out of Egypt. I delivered you. I give you manna. I give you water. I give you a leader. I give you uh, a fellowship. Your clothes don't uh, shrink. Your feet don't swell. I provide that, for you, but it's not enough. But you want a promised land." I say, out your amen. Hallelujah. You want a promised land. You want the next level ministry. You want the next level blessing and breakthrough, but you can't stop complaining. You can't check your nasty attitude, right? You won't deal with your eyes. You, you, you don't even see your eyes. You see everybody else's eyes. You got to love those kind of folks. You got to love them. Praise God. They're in the body of Christ. They can't see their eyes because they're so busy looking at your eyes. Jesus dealt with that too. He said, how about you before you pull the speck out of my eye, why don't you get that two by four? <laughs> your own eye. You got to love Jesus. You just got to love him, right? And instead of you worrying about what I'm doing, or isn't that what happened with Cor and Dathan? And even, even with, um, that's why you got to love the, the anointed people. Uh, even with, um, give me to me, Jesus. Give it to me, Father. Um, Miriam and Aaron, right? The high priest and the prophets. So you got titles with attitudes. Who do you think you are, Moses? How you get to marry her? Now, neither one of them married. <laughs> First of all, how about you seek God about your life? I'm just saying, this is in the Bible. Don't get mad at me. Where, where she come from? I, it's just in the Bible. It's just in the Bible. I'm not, I can't make this. You can't make it up. But Miriam, who was the, see, the leading prophet, she even covered Moses, didn't she? Yes, she did. Aaron was the high priest, stood in the presence of God, praise God. And, and, and he did, he was married at some point because he had some sons. But during this particular time, praise God, there was no mentioning of their wives or husband. 
And God checked them. God said, meet me in the house. Y'all know that, right? God said, how about y'all come down? Look, 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 come here. <laughs> come on, let's have a conversation. And he said, look here, you are a prophet, but you still, he said, he said, you are a prophet and I speak to you in mysteries. But Moses, I speak to him face to face. So there's rakes in that. Oh God, they go that apostolic thing, y'all. I know, I'll tell you the plug just comes in, it just comes in. So there are rates and hierarchies in that. You may have the same title, but you're on a different level. And so God said, don't, don't get it twisted. This one right here, don't talk about Moses. God checked them. And then he said, Miriam, because Miriam was the ringleader. See how that prophetic stuff work? Now, Aaron, the, the priest or the worshiper and intercessor, he, you know, what I'm saying? he, listen, that's why God loves worshipers. David was a worshiper. And I know I'm off task, but I'm going with God because that's what we do. And, and so David, I mean, uh, Aaron was like, hey, Aaron, Aaron repented in his heart now because this brother stands in the presence of God. And Aaron already knows how this stuff works, right? We stand in the temple. And if we go, if I go into the Holy of Holies and you hear that bell stop, Call, listen, call 911 because <laughs> it's over. And high school, we used to say, call the dogs because it's over. So Aaron had more of a fear of God. And um, I want to say more of an appreciation for the holiness of God than Miriam did. Why? Because the greater judgment fell on Miriam. Miriam turned leprous, white as snow. And Aaron, what did he do as a high priest? Interceded. Gotta love that, you prayer warrior people. You. Praise God. I don't know who that was for, but you better take heed to it. Amen. Be careful what you say, right? She could have died. She could have shut down her prophetic destiny, shut down her life because she was putting her mouth on something. Instead of her guarding and paying attention to defeating her own ites, she was watching who Moses was. And it was Keturah at the time. I'm Zipporah at the time. Because she in Midian. Come on, praise. Y'all know the story. She was with, uh, she was the woman that Moses married while he was in the wilderness in Midian. And um, and so they had an issue with that when they met her for the first time and she's dark skinned. Hello, somebody. They're like, uh, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> we think he's marrying this woman, bringing this girl. And God said, that, that has that's none of your business. You understand what I'm saying? God will check, God will check you and put you in your place when you're meddling in an area that does not concern you. Did not con and she did not make it out of the woods. Aaron didn't either. Sorry. So as we're preparing for this place of enlargement in our finances, there are going to be these spirits you're going to have to deal with. Now, my Canaanite and my Hittite and my Amorite and my Perizzite and my Hivite and my Jebusite is different from yours. My Perizzite may be an over-shopping spirit. My Hivite might be um, conspiring. My Canaanite may, which was all Canaan, but then there was also a Canaan in that too. My Canaanite may be um, not sowing into the work. Whatever, whatever license the enemy uses to attack, you need to attack it as God is preparing you <coughs> for your Canaan. Because don't get it twisted, honey. You're not going into that land of milk and honey until you deal with this stuff. Until you deal with those ites. So whatever those ites are, those things that, and I, these were named that's already in Canaan, what I should have said, because I don't want to confuse anybody, is those eyes that you have to fight. And when you look through the Old Testament and you see Israel going through the wilderness, you will see many battles with the eyes. Okay? And the Moabites was one of them, those sexual spirits. That's a whole other topic. We'll talk about that. Maybe we'll do a deliverance series one month. Y'all pray. We'll talk about it. But 
you, you know, everybody has a different eye. Everybody has a different eye. And so you will find those things emerging. And that's what happened in the wilderness. As they were emerging, walking through on their way to the promise, they were confronted with these different eyes. And so you need to pay attention as God is moving you, which he is. You need to understand this and grab a hold to this word by faith. God is moving you towards your land of milk and honey, but you need to be prepared because what you're not going to do is act the same way. There's an entirely different mindset. That's why Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus understands that in order to go to the next level of anything, you're going to have, you need a whole new mind. Let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus, right? Why? Because you, for all of your life, have been serving under this Egyptian systematic oppressive system. All you know is get paid, pay bills. Get paid and rob Peter, pay Paul. Get paid. Pay the um the uh what do you call it the um uh check check um check cash in place or title loans or whatever pay pay your credit card twenty five percent credit card bills or whatever you understand what I'm saying I'm just saying you you're so used to that well I got two hundred extra dollars let me go ahead and do this let me you, you don't have the mind remember what I talked about how um you know there comes a, a release of the mind to where you can think to know what to do with what God is blessing you and so there's a new mindset that you need to have. Now, when God gives you that $1,000, what you used to do with it, you won't do the same. As a matter of fact, those same spirits that had access to you when you got your money, uh, they won't confront you first because you defeated it. You see what I'm saying? So it's a mindset. It's a paradigm shift that needs to take place in the mind of God's people. Otherwise, your land of milk and honey will always be a prophetic word ahead of you that you'll never be able to embrace. Let me give you a few examples. Uh, you know, some believers played a lottery. Many unbelievers do. I'll let me just put it like that. Uh, let me give you a better example. How about if anybody has seen the movie Friday? <clears throat> and they made several sequels. It's Friday, Friday after next, last Friday, Friday coming, Friday before last. I mean, I can't even keep up, right? But what had happened was in the very first Friday, it was Craig's uncle. I think it was that won the lottery. Well, he won the lottery and bought this beautiful home and just lavished, lived. Listen, I'm still talking about the Egyptian mindset because when you have that Egyptian systematic mindset, and this is going to hurt somebody, so get ready. But when you have that oppressive mindset, the minute you get something, you spend it because you've already had in and a poverty mindset will do that a poverty mindset will build an imagination of what you need to have to make you feel great about yourself god told me this about somebody years ago they grew up in poverty and as they became an adult everything they own had to be name brand i'm not against name brand stuff i did i've got a few name brand things myself that i just like the brand i like the style right i like even sometimes the status that comes along with that in certain in certain door and certain platforms, you gotta have, you know what I'm saying? You gotta dress for that level. I understand that, right? But in this particular instance, this person's life was inundated. And every time you would talk to them, they would brag about I've got this and I've got that. And it's all just name dropping, name dropping, name dropping, right? Um, and so it started to bother my spirit. <laughs> and I said, God. You know, why is this person so, I hate, I mean, you work, you can do what you want to do with your money, right? But it, it just, it started to really, it grieved me, like out of that spirit, grieve Paul. It grieved me. And I said, God, why is it this person 
is always bragging and boasting. I mean, they, they, they changing cars and changing. And I'm like, what is this? And the Lord said, he said, daughter, that's a poverty spirit. And it really shocked me because I'm like, well, but they got money. They got name brand stuff. I said, that's the manifestation of a poverty spirit. And so what it was is that person grew up poor and had always dreamed or imagined having what maybe some of the other kids had, right? Maybe some of what their friends had or what have you. And have said to themselves, when I get older, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get that. And so what this person did with every stitch of money they received, they earned or gave or however they accumulated their stuff, they immediately went to buy this name brand thing, name brand clothes, name brand this, name brand that, and just flaunted it everywhere because in their minds, that was the way that they compensated for not having. That is one of the definitions and one of the expressions of a poverty spirit. I'm going to say something else to you. It may hurt your feelings. It's not my intention, but it's a hard truth. I love you. I'm an apostle. I've got to go in places that people don't want to go into your life, but I'm coming. Okay. You listening. So you invited me many times, even around certain times of year. Okay. When certain uh, uh, social um, economic uh, uh, citizens, people on certain social economic levels receive certain amounts of money. And let's put it like that. Okay. <laughs> um, watch what happens with that. The stores, the restaurants, the hair, it's always an outward flashy stuff. And then after a few weeks, poof, is gone. And they're right back to where they started. Sometimes worse. I've known people and I've tried to counsel, but you know, folk don't want you in their business and it's okay. I've tried to counsel this one particular young lady. This was many years ago. Nobody knows her. Don't try to figure it out. This person received um, an income tax refund, bless God, uh, for I think it was $7,000. This person had been catching the bus or catching a ride back and forth, back and forth. So the person um, said, approached me and said, I need to get a car. I'm going to get a car with this money. What I said to the person, you don't need clothes. You don't need food because, you you know, you, you got food. Praise God. I said, why don't you take your money and buy a cash car? You buy cash. And when I say cash car, I mean a car that you pay for cash. <laughs> no finance rate and none of that. Wait and see what the bank is going to give you. And you walk out there with a 25% or 16% or 11% interest on a car that you never pay off. And so the person didn't receive my counsel. I'm going to put it to you like that. And it's okay. I'm not mad, right? You asked. I said it. You didn't receive it. It's okay. Well, the person put two, put, went to a, a buy here, pay here car lot. You already know what that means financially okay um praise god went to a buy here pay here car lot which nine times out of ten is appealing to people who have less than stable credit your job is your credit or what have you and all of that all right and listen if that's where you are that's where you are but you need to work your way out of that okay and you can by the grace of god yes you can you need it takes discipline it takes budgeting you can do it Anyway, this young lady 
goals. And, and I, I'm still coming to the numbers. I haven't forgot about numbers. All right. I hope y'all don't leave me. Stay with me. Don't you go nowhere. This young lady goes to buy here, pay here a lot, puts $2,000 down on a car. Do you hear what I said? She put $2,000 down payment on a car. Now, I know a little bit about financial stuff. And I know that many times those cars on those buy here, pay here lots, the money they're asking you for, for the down payment is what they paid for the whole car at the auction. Okay. So that's why they don't really want to negotiate with the down payment because that's what they paid in to buy the car at the auction. And so you're putting that money down and then you've got a 20% interest rate on top of your monthly payments or bi-weekly payments. And that's just fluff. Now, that's a good business, man. I ain't gonna knock it. You know, I don't have the heart to do people like that, but that's how some people do their business, right? Um, <laughs> so she goes and she puts $2,000 down on this car, blows the other 5,000. Did you hear what I said? She put $2,000 down on the car, blew the other 5,000. I think she may have gave the church a couple hundred dollars or whatever. I don't know, praise God. And so what happened? Now that you have a car that's financed, You've got to have full coverage insurance, which you should have that anyway. I mean, that's just a good rule of thumb. But when you have a car that's paid for, you can, you, the minimum insurance is liability, which means if you hurt somebody, you pay for their medical bills or what have you. But if you do damage to your car, it's come out of your pocket. Well, this young lady had already been struggling, didn't have the best of employment scenarios. Okay. She puts $2,000 on the car, drives it off the lot. Payments were three something a month. Insurance was two something a month. All right. So now she's got, she's lost $2,000. She's got a car that's going to cost her $500 a month. And, and I, I, I'm, I, the reason why I want to take my time and help you understand this, and this may be some of your story and I'm not, I'm not picking. Let me just say that because you know what? You have to do what you have to do. What I'm saying is I, I want you to think now. Okay. Well, I did do that. Now, Lord, God, show me how to get out of it. It's not okay to stay in that situation because you're being taken advantage of. All right. Um, oh, so much I can say about that. Um, during the time the young lady bought the car, there had been a great flood in Florida. And so Florida, the insurance companies were buying the cars out. I'm just telling you how this worked with wisdom, financial wisdom. We're still talking about empowerment for wealth, still talking about dealing with the ice. Because many times we see what we want, right? And we got to get, I got to have a girl. I got to have that bag. I got to have that purse. You got a $400 bag, but you catching the bus. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I, I Make it make sense. Make it make sense. So long story short, there, during that time, there was a great flood in Florida and the insurance companies were buying the cars out from people. You know, when they have the hurricanes and everything's flooded. Well, guess where those cars go? <laughs> the girl um, bought a car that was in the flood in Florida. And so what did the car ownership do, dealership do? Purchase a car for next to nothing, paint job on it, clean the carpet really good, got the mold and stuff out. And she never looked up under the car. The entire under the, um, what do you call it? The under body of the car was completely rusted out. Long story short again, here she is stuck with a $500 payment. That's car payment plus insurance plus maintenance. Cars having all kinds of problems because it was stalled out in a flood. Hello. Everything is rusted. What do you think happens? Car was repossessed. Her credit is messed up. A whole nother repo on it. 
when all she had to do was take that $7,000, leave the clothes on the rack, leave the steak in a restaurant, and go purchase a nice car, cash. That's not what she, so there's a mindset that we have to have in terms of gaining wealth. Let me get back to the movie with Friday. I hope y'all are with me. I hope I'm not taking too much of your time because I, I know I, I'm, I'm long-winded. I know people tell me and I know too. <laughs> and so the cousin, the uncle, and I forget the man's name. If I thought about it real good, I can mention it, but it's not that important to my life. But anyway, the cousin bought this house, big, beautiful house, party. This, you know, y'all know they did. They party. And use up all the money. So now he's telling his son, uh, uh, whatever the boy name, go get a job and so on, so on, so on. Guess what happens? A tax bill comes in the mail. Now he's thinking, again, because he was not prepared for the land of milk and honey. He's thinking, my house is paid for. I don't own nobody nothing. Well, guess what? That great big house you've got, you have to pay taxes on that once a year. And if you don't pay taxes on it, uh, you're going to lose your house. So again, there's a mindset, there's a research that has to come along with that. And so this is why sometimes it takes some people um, to have these wilderness experiences to work out your Ike problems, whatever that is, work it out. So that by the time you enter into your promised land, the, the money management wisdom that you need, the anointing for prosperity that you need is there. Now, I, now let's move on because I, I said a whole lot coming out of Exodus chapter three, verse seven through nine. Y'all know the story. Uh, Moses went and, and he confronted Pharaoh and God let people go and they were on their way. Some people died. You know, they couldn't, they just couldn't. Some people just forfeit. I don't want to do this. I don't want to, you know, they fought against Moses that made his way hard. And people will do that when they have been stuck, when, they, when certain mentalities, people have been doing a certain thing. Oh, God, especially religion. Let me tell you something. When you've got somebody who has been, <laughs> for the sake of a better word, churched, and you try to bring them a present truth, is you, you, honey, you might, as well, you might as well stand in front of a brick wall and carry on a full conversation. Because they've already been inundated. Well, well, this is what the bishop said. This is what the, the word. Mm -mm. They shout, they scream, they hop, they bounce, they kick, and and prophesy great things to each other, and have no foundation of scripture at all. And you try to tell people things like this right here, they will fight you. They don't want uh, that. They what my bishop said. I, I I know. So you leave them alone. But for those who have an ear to hear what the spirit of God is saying to the church, these are going to be the ones that's going to enter into this next season of prosperity. Mark my word. So follow me now to Numbers chapter 13, and I'm going to, be, I'm going to read verse 23 through 25, all right? The Bible says, now Numbers 23, excuse me, Numbers 13, 23 through 25. And they came unto the brook of Eskal, all right, and cut down from this a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the Brook Eskal because of the cluster of grapes, which the children of Israel cut down from thence, and they returned after 40 days. So what's happening here? Now, this is after the fact. They've already gone through the wilderness. The people who couldn't go to the next level didn't go. That's going to happen. I'm telling you. Because when you do this work to, to, to uh, enhance your financial situation, everybody's not going to do it. I'm telling you, even some of y'all, I love you, and you know I do, but some of you not going to do this work. You amen it. Oh, that was a good word. And you'll continue on your same patterns of, of, of oppression when God is showing you the way out. You'll still do it. And you'll stand before God and uh, you don't lie on me because <laughs> I told you the truth. 
I told you what to do. I gave you the word, gave you the counsel of the Lord, and it's up to you. But everybody's not going to do, everybody's not going to put that work in to be able to step into that next level. So, you know, it is what it is, right? But so here, they've already gone through all of that, and, and, and the people have been sifted. The Lord said, let the wheat and tares grow together. I'll do the separating, so let God, let God do that, right? The ones who get it will get it. They're walking overflow. The ones who won't, they'll they'll watch you walk into your overflow and then they'll hate on you. But you, you know, we had the same opportunity. We received the same word. Why you didn't do the work? Why you didn't pull up your credit report and call these people? Why you didn't save your money? Why you didn't stop shopping and when the Lord told you this is a season to save and you out on and Amazon and every place else? You know what I'm saying? Don't blame me and don't blame the devil. Blame yourself. Stay off the shopping carts. Stay out the store. Put your money in the bank account. Put it into one of your accounts. I have several bank accounts. One of my accounts, I have a, I have a savings where I received, I went to, I went and talked to the banker and I said, where, which account can I put my money in that can give me the most dividends? I'm just someone putting, well, I got a checking account. Uh-uh, how much money y'all give me off of my money? How much interest am I making off of this? Right? So do that work. Praise God. So here you find they come to the Brook of Escal. Escal means a place of um, a cluster of grapes, grape cluster. And listen to what I said. Remember the Lord said in Exodus chapter three, verse eight, about this large place. Remember I said about the place with milk and honey. Talk about the honey. Talk about the fruits and vegetables and all that stuff. This place was named Escal, which means cluster or grape cluster. And I want you to pay attention to something. They cut down the spies that were sent. Catch that, the spirit. That were sent. They went and brought a cluster of grapes. They had to cut down the branch. So like I said, I was raised on a farm for a little bit of time in my young life. And we used to eat, me and my brother used to eat off the grapevine all the time. So it wasn't nothing to just pull a, a cluster of grapes down and eat. But this is different. This land was a land of enlargement, supernatural enlargement. That means the animals were producing on another level. The vegetation was producing. Everything was producing. He said, flowing. Okay, flowing. God, your stuff is about to flow. And not only that, the fruit of it was so huge. It took how many? Two men to carry one cluster of grapes. Now, you know what? Just praise God. That's a throw your phone moment. It took two grown men to carry one cluster of grapes. And this is that land that God prophesied belongs to you. You're talking about supernatural production, supernatural provision. It comes as a result of doing the work. You have got to put that work in people of God. Nobody is going to do that thing for you. And if nobody has done it in your generations, God is talking to you. You are the chosen one to go through your process to deal with the ites in the wilderness so that you can deal with the ites in the Canaan land. Because they had to go through, listen, when they got into Canaan and do your history, read the whole book of Joshua. The book of Joshua is a book of wars. That's why when the Lord approached Joshua, the Lord approached him in a theophany as a captain of the army of the host of the Lord. And he called Joshua a general. Joshua studied under Moses. Joshua received the general's mantle, general warfare, and Joshua taught and raised his army, and they did great many battles. I'm telling you, it's very powerful, very powerful. But Joshua was sent. 
Joshua didn't say, well, you know, Moses uh, is dead. Y'all come on, let's go do this, find out where the stuff is. No. Didn't happen like that. Joshua was very, you're talking about books of a uh, book of strategy. Ooh, honey, Joshua is a power. And of course, the word Joshua means God is my salvation. That's the Hebrew word for Joshua. So I'm coming closing up because I, I, you know, I don't want to belabor you and where you got too bad, because I know this is a whole lot to digest, right? But that one cluster of grapes took two men to carry it. And they brought pomegranates and figs. Didn't the Lord say it was going to flow with milk and honey? God is going to do what he said he's going to do. You have to do your part. you got to confront whoever your ites are. If it's overspending, underspending, conspiring, gambling, mismanaging, like I said, loaning the people, you know they ain't gonna pay you back. Somebody, I think it was, I think it was on Friday. Um, Greg asked his mama, he had lost his job, and he asked his mama to borrow some money. She said, "I feel uncomfortable loaning money to you, and you don't have a job." You see what I'm saying? You gotta love her. I think what Annette Hartford, um, something her name was. Anyway, she told him, "I feel uncomfortable loaning money to you, and you don't have a job." You see what I'm saying? So. You've got to use wisdom in what you do with the money you work for, you have put up with nonsense on your job or dealing with customers who give you a hard time. That is money that God has blessed you with as a result of the works of your hands. Give yourself the credit to do the right thing with it so that God can bless your money. Okay? The place was called the Brook Eskal because of the cluster of grapes that the children of Israel cut down. And then they return after they searched out that whole land. So I'm, I'm closing with that. And I pray that this word has enlightened you in many areas financially. Um, I know someone said, well, let's talk about a tithe. Let's talk about the offering. Can I be honest with you? If we have to talk about tithe, offering, and seed, you're not even ready for a financial empowerment series. That's the first step. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm wanting to assume you know, as apostolic people, mature people, that we already have that giving thing out of the way. I want to assume that because I know there's some people. Wait, well, let's talk about the tithes. What are we going to talk about it for? That's it's not a, that's that's not a, a talkable thing. That's a doable thing. You know, you're supposed to tithe. And to be honest with you, I stopped tithing back in when I was in my twenties. When I learned that that tithing was the very minimum that God expected from me, and I looked over everything that God had done in my life, I don't just, I don't measure out where he is. I made $200 this week, so God gets 20. I grew past that a long time ago. I give whatever's in my heart. And can I tell you something? It is always more than a tithe, always. So that's why I don't say tithe, I say give. Now, there are some who are on that tithe level. That's where your faith is. And praise God, continue to tithe. Don't stop. But even your giving has to grow. So that's why I don't really, I don't spend a lot of time talking about that because those are elementary principles. You should know to give. That's just, don't, praise God. You should know to do that. If you don't know to do that, then, you know, we can't even have this conversation. You can't even get, we're not even talking about milk and honey. We can't even talk about that. Right. So those things are elementary principles that as as 
when we got saved, you should have learned how to do that. But we're talking about taking territory and taking kingdoms and manifesting and taking the ground up on our feet. And we still struggle with giving or tithing. You, you mean to tell me you stuck at 10%? And if that's where you are, that's where you are. But if you want greater, you're going to have to put in greater. Am I saying to the degree that you uh, don't have no food, no lights? I'm just saying you follow what God put in your heart. But as for me, I don't ever just calculate 10%. I've gotten past that when I was in my 20s. I've gotten far past that. So now I give. Because God loves a cheerful giver. He didn't say he loved a cheerful tither. <laughs> he ob we are obligated to give. Don't get me wrong. That is an expectation. And if you if you can't, if you're stuck with that, that, that that's a big problem. Because you can't command heavens, you can't command windows, you can't command rain, you can't command the earth to do anything because your hands are blocked, God's hands are blocked. So we can't even have that conversation. Okay, so that's why I said that's an element, that's that's a babe in Christ conversation. If you're struggling with that, then go back to the faith series and then come back here. So, but tithing is the very minimum that you can give. Tithing is pre-law. Um, Abraham first tithed in Melchizedek. Melchizedek was Jesus Christ pre-incarnate or a theophany, okay, which means God is my righteousness. That's where we get Jehovah uh, Sikhanu. It comes out of that root word, right? So Abraham gave an uh, tithe, Isaac tithe, that had nothing to do with the Mosaic law. And so as a historical record of what Abraham did and what Isaac did, Moses adopted it. God agreed with it. And that's what he imputed or um, required of Israel, right? And, but by the time you get into Christ and Christ is dealing with your heart and not with, you know, laws and formulas and percentages, now that God is working in your heart, you have Jesus Christ living inside of you. Your giving should reflect your love life. So where your treasures are, that's where your heart is. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Okay. So again, that's why I didn't really get into it. And I did that teaching a long time ago. And I'm not going back to that. I'm not going. I, I'm, I'm right now. I'm talking to people who are walking into that next level blessing. You know, we're asking God for millions, but you stumble over a hundred. So let's back up and let's deal with the hundred air level. Let's get there. And some people may have to deal with a $10 level. You have to get you this $20 faith, <laughs> a $20 deliverance. Let's get you, let's get you to just give $20. I'm not asking for that. I'm just saying, you know, before we say, you know, the Lord's time will be a millionaire. Do you know what the life of a millionaire involves? Same thing with Christ's uncle with the house. Do you know how to function on that level? If you can't function on a hundred dollar level, or a $1,000 level, or a $10,000 level, or a $100,000 level, what, what makes you think you're ready for the millionaire level? That's greed. Because you hadn't processed, you just jump. You can't jump. Oh, you can't jump like that, people of God. You can't jump. Israel, and I'm saying this, I'm really going to go for real, for real. When Israel uh, walked or confronted the, the new generation of Israel under Joshua's leadership, when they entered into Canaan, and you look at this for yourself, there were city by city by city um, conquests. In other words, the Lord told them, yeah, I'm giving y'all Canaan. All of this land is yours, but y'all are not ready to handle all of this yet. 
So let's take Jericho and then let's take AI and then let's move over, you know, to some other territories. In other words, God's going to give it to you little by little and then watch what you do with that. That's how that works. So I, I get concerned when I hear the Lord say, I see millionaires in the room. And I'm like, these folks can't even, <laughs> these people don't even give God $20. You got to fight and prophesy and, and pull gold teeth and feathers. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I'm like, middle millionaires in here. You know, stop that lying. I mean, I'm just saying, that's just me, y'all. That's just me. But, you know, I'm that voice. You know, I'm that voice. And that's why I go through warfare. I go through, and it's all right. It's okay. But um, show me biblical precedence for it. And that, that's my bottom line. Show me, the, show me that inscription. Show me that. Okay? Uh, Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm not going to get into that. Um, so I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, Father, we bless you. Father, as I come on behalf of your people, we thank you, Lord God. We collectively thank you for the word that you have released unto us. God, as your word does, it is a hammer that breaks against the rock, dashes it in pieces. It is a mirror. It searches us, God. It, it, is, it, is a, it is a discerner of the intentions of our heart. It is a revealer, Lord God. It is a knower. It searches our innermost things. And so, Father, as this word has done the work in us, you said, so shall my word be that proceedeth out of my mouth. You said, it shall not return to your void. God, I pray and I prophesy, prophetically declare that this word come out of Exodus chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. And Numbers chapter 20, um, 13, verses 23 through 25 or something. Let this word come alive in the lives of your people. But also the prophetic counsel um, that came along the way. Because, Father, as you always do, that's why we yield ourselves to you. And we let you have your way because there's so much you want to share with your people. And God, I'm just honored to be that vessel. I'm honored to be your handmaiden. I'm honored to be your cupbearer that whatever, Father, you need me to do, Father, I yield myself. I yield myself to what you have to say to your people because they're yours. They're your people. You know what they need. Even as you told Moses, I have come down for them. Moses didn't know what they needed. Moses didn't even know they had a need. But you said, I come down for Israel. I come down. And Father, you have come down even in this message. So Father, I pray, God, as I have watered, you will give the increase. And that, Lord, that, uh, that as I have planted, you will water. You will give the increase, Lord God, that your people can walk into that place, that land of milk and honey. Let them experience it, God. Let them not die in debt. Let them not leave their families in debt. Let them not repeat, Lord God, the, the same systematic uh, uh, oppressive uh, um, uh, devices, God, that we have seen in our bloodlines, Lord, God, in the name of Jesus. Even the human we took from the movie Friday, God, because I believe, Lord God, wisdom teaches us in everything. You said, go to the ant, you sluggard. So, God, we can learn from anything. But the wisdom in that, knowing this young man bought this beautiful home and did not have the wisdom to know to save money to pay for the taxes. Like the testimony I shared about the young lady who wanted to shop and wanted to spend, Lord God, and, and, and made a bad investment and suffered. 
Many others, God, I myself have made many terrible uh, financial uh, decisions, but I thank you that I learned from them, God. And I thank you, Father, that my mistakes have become uh, ministry. My mistakes have become messages that I can pull somebody else out, Father, and that I have not arrived, Lord, in the name of Jesus. You still show me every day, every day, God. I thank you for those, God, that, that, uh, that are learning how to give. They're learning, God. This is so they've never given before. They've always grew up pinching pennies and, and borrowing. They've never really, they've never been exposed to the life of being a giver. They don't know what that's like. But God, as this word has gone forth, Father, it is my prayer that you would help them to understand that, Lord God, nobody's trying to take nothing from them. If anything, you're trying to get something to them, God, and you're trying to grow their faith. God, I'm reminded of that widow woman of Zarephath, Lord God. The prophet Elijah said to her, he said, give me something to eat. She said, I have nothing except two sticks, a small uh, jar of oil, and a little bit of flour to make some cakes for me and my son, and we'll die. And the prophet placed a demand on her little. And, and he said, give me first. And that's all you're asking, to give it to you first. So that you can see, Lord God, even as you tested Abraham and, and when he was about to sacrifice Isaac, you said, now I know that you love me. You want to know where our hearts are. So, Father, we love you, God. We don't just want to love you with our tongues and with our prophecy and with our titles, but we want to love you with our money, too. So we bless you, Father, for all that you're doing. Thank you for these new soldiers who are financially secure that are about to step out and step into some tremendous things that you have for them. God, it is their season. They're grabbing hold. They're doing the work. And God, everything that you have coming to them, they've earned it. They deserve it. And God, we celebrate the work. For those who are yet struggling, God, help their unbelief. The apostles said, help our faith. But Lord God, they said, help our unbelief. Help us. Help your people, God. We love you, Father. We glorify you. We thank you for your people. In Jesus' name. Amen.